0: And it's Dr. Stu's Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Stuart Fishbein, community-based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. And I'm here, as usual, but long distance (laughs) with the best co-host in the business, the blisterious one, my friend Bliss Young, who's home in her kitchen.
1: In my office, but good morning. Oh, you're in your office
0: this morning. Okay, well, Welcome. Uh, we're happy to be back with all of you for podcast one number one ninety three, which we're calling uh, Birthing People, but we'll get to that in a little bit. You can check us out at drstewspodcast.com. Uh, this is going to be uh, our first Zoom uh, podcast. We're going to record it and whether we post it on, on our podcast page. You can find me at uh, birthinginstincts.com or bliss at, at uh, birthingbliss.com. You can write me at askdrstew at gmail.com or you can write bliss at bliss at birthingbliss.com com and her Instagram is birthing bliss midwifery and I'm birthing instincts at at okay did I get it all right <laughs> yeah
1: you did okay. um yeah also what was I gonna say oh those of you that are joining us today in the Zoom hi and welcome um this is a new thing for us but I think it could be really fun it's kind of a private chat so if you do have questions or comments, you can put them in the chat. We're going to keep you guys muted just because of the recording um, for the podcast. Um, but we will um, get to questions um, towards the end, or you know, maybe I'll be fielding them as uh Dr. Fishbein is talking about topics.
0: Right. So I got to keep an eye on the screen because people want to come in and people will generally come in as we speak. Um, I will do that, so I might get distracted a little bit. But I'm going to get better at this. Uh, the reason we're doing Zoom, sort of, is... Sort of? Well, we talked about doing it, but we really didn't talk about doing this soon. But I think, we, you know, what you call, or what people want to call social distancing, which is what I call anti-social distancing. Um, you know, I mean, Bliss and I are out in the community all the time, and then we're sitting right next to each other on the podcast. And so we felt that for our clients, it might be better to, yeah. to do Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Unfortunately, I love being in the same room with you. Um, but yeah, just taking
0: can we extra charge precautions. As much, can we charge as much for virtual birthing? Yes. No. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of birthing, uh, this morning uh, at 345 this morning I got three forty-eight, I got a phone call that I had a Rabbit 5 para two in labor that I had just signed on for the Dr. Stu on the couch package, although I'd known her for a long time because I had done scans and and consults in her other pregnancies. But this one, she was breached. She has a septated uterus. And so the other two babies were head down, but this one was breached at the office last week. And so we decided to have me on the couch just in case. And because the baby had been turning all over the place. And she has a history of precipitous labors. Hang on, I gotta let somebody in here. A history of very precipitous labors. So as soon as she, and she broke her bag of waters at like three 48 this morning and the baby was delivered at five 22. It was, it was great because uh, we drove down there and we got there and she was already huffing and puffing. And I just did an initial vaginal exam, which by the way, was the first vaginal exam she's ever had in labor. Wow. Um, She didn't have a vaginal exam with either of her first two. She's very in touch with her body. And knows exactly what's happening, but I wanted to be sure what was presenting, which is what I normally do with a breach, especially one that's been such an unstable lie because she had lots of fluid. And again, she has this um, bicorneate, I've been calling it bicorneate or septate uterus, but it's been obvious. And the other thing that was interesting about her was that the placenta was about 60 percent implanted on the septum. Based on, hmm. ultrasound. I mean, I don't know how well ultrasound can tell that, but it was on the septum. So I was concerned afterwards about potential for postpartum hemorrhage because the septum doesn't, in my experience, isn't supposed to, doesn't have the contractile strength that the rest of the uterus has. And you know that bleeding stops from uh, delivery, not by clotting, but by contracting and squeezing the vessels and shutting them down. So we were all set with, um, we had uh, transinemic, you can never say the word, but it's transinamic acid or something like that. Which is Lysena mm-hmm. as well as mesoprostol and pitocin all ready to go. Didn't end up needing it at all. I mean she had almost no blood loss whatsoever. Her uterus was just fantastic. So and uh, you know, right after I checked her, she got on the toilet for about ten minutes, which always makes me nervous. <laughs> Can I
1: stop you for a second? Oh yeah, i on a roll. Yeah, when you when you talked about presenting um checking doing a check for, for uh, Um, What are you looking for exactly?
0: I'm just looking to be sure that it's not... A foot? A A cord? Well, a foot wouldn't bother me if I can also feel the butt, because that's what you'd feel in a complete breech presentation. Mm -hmm. Very unusual for a term baby to be in the uh, footling breech presentation. It's often mistaken that when a baby is breech and a foot pops out, that it's footling, but that actually isn't the case at term. It's almost never at term A. Complete breech is one where the hips and knees are both flexed, so the baby's in like a tight somersault position. And a footling breech is where the hips are extended and the knees are extended, and that's like a baby standing up. And you can see that in preemies, but you rarely see that in term pregnancies. I was checking more to see that it was breech and not transverse lie, or mm-hmm. that it was, or there was no cord mm-hmm. presenting, uh, that sort of thing.
1: Great. Um, and so she got on the toilet, and that always makes you nervous. You said why?
0: Well, she has precipitous labors and I, we've had, you know, everybody who's done this long enough has had someone give birth to a baby probably in the toilet. <laughs> I know I've had a breech-first twin in, in the toilet once before. Mm-hmm. So um, I uh, – but she got off the toilet. She wanted to get in the water. The tub was filled. They were really on top of things. They had their bed made. They you know. And, again, this was all – and she had emailed me at midnight with her documents. So she was – I don't know. It's funny that she – something maybe knew something was going to happen or whatever so because again she had just taken the documents home from the week before because we i told her i'll see you you know i'll, I'll see you next week and you can bring them back with you at that point but somehow she must have known what was going on uh because i just saw them this morning when i clicked on my email anyway i'm getting off the track um she got in the water and and you know i'm a bigger fan of doing births on all fours on land than water uh, because you wanna use gravity and you don't have gravity in water, but she had a perfect breech birth. The baby was frank breech, baby rotated tum to bum, the legs popped out, baby reached the umbilical cord with one push, Um, the heart rate was fine the whole time and within, uh, you know, we like to see the baby once the baby reaches the belly button being out within three to five minutes and that baby was out probably in another, less than a minute, minute and a half, and uh, we could see the cleavage as it came down meaning the arms were in front and the arms and head all came out at once in the water mom reached down pulled the baby up so this is a woman who had an unassisted home water birth breach and um, we didn't do much
1: Uh, but it, it made them feel more comfortable to have you there. Yeah.
0: And baby weighed uh, seven pounds, nine ounces. Baby was, we went, and then after about five minutes in the tub, because of the risk, we were worried about hemorrhage. We got her out of the tub, as a lot of our colleagues do, uh, for the, for the weight for the placenta, which then she could tell when it was coming, you know, when we didn't do any exams or anything. She could tell when it was coming and she pushed and the midwife assisted the placenta out. And uh, there was almost no bleeding. None. Fundus was firm. We didn't have to give her anything. Great. Uh, right. So it was good to
1: be pre- good to be prepared, but great that she didn't need it.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was uh, it was fantastic. So I'm jazzed for the day and, and sleepy I, probably. Well, I came back home. I got home actually because I didn't have to stay for the whole birth like I normally would because she had her team there. Um, I got back home by about I don't know. 640 650 and then I slept for like an hour and a half until I had some phone calls this morning um one of which was from Emily who's listening right now from Washington and she happened to call because she wants to know how she can get more training in breach so it it comes in you know it rains if it pours and all that other things that people say because you know I had had a breach delivery for several weeks at least if not a month or more and uh and then this, and then she calls the very, the very morning, but it was fine because I had to get out of bed. It was a great alarm clock. She got me out of bed so I could prep for today. For so, today. Yeah.
1: For the new, for the new format.
0: Yeah. So anyway, so anything uh, new on your end?
1: Um, hmm. no, I'm waiting for that mom that, uh, tested positive for the virus. <clears throat> Um, I haven't seen her in, in weeks because, um, you know, she was in quarantine and on Saturday I asked them to, um, get a test and we kind of went back and forth about the right way to do it. Um, whether she would be getting an antibody test or, um, she was told that she could get a positive result for months. And you and I talked and you said, if that was true, she'd still be shedding. So it wouldn't be. You know, until she has a negative test, that would be um,
0: yeah, the yeah, yeah, that We're would be to talk the safest. Today, because I noticed that you put a post up on your mm-hmm. Instagram page about. From
1: Aviva Ram.
0: Right. So I want to talk about a whole bunch of things regarding that before I get to my topic of the day, which we'll get to, we have to get to because it's the title of the podcast. So we have to get to it. But I want to read a letter first um, from listener Andrea, who is in i don't know where she's from darn it okay maybe it's maybe it says um anyway because it leads right into it so it's a very good segue and she writes to you and me bliss she writes thank you thank you thank you i love your podcast and listen to them as soon as the new ones come out please consider moving to maryland oh so she's from maryland okay to do home births here right and then (laughs) i've
1: been i lived in maryland
0: you lived in maryland
1: uh-huh. I lived in Silver Springs, Maryland, and I worked um, downtown in what was called the Shops, which was right by uh, the White House. So Maryland's beautiful. But I'm not going back. I don't like the winters.
0: No, no. And it's <laughs> funny because uh, Emily invited me to move to Washington today, and
1: and I spoke,
0: <laughs> I spoke to our good friend, um, Lindsay Matthews from BirthFit. Uh, she invited me to move to Texas.
1: <laughs> <So. laughs> what? Well, at and least I, still got have, I still have
0: Utah on the, on the slate too. So, mm-hmm. but with the, with what's going on in California, it might not be. Uh, it might be coming. I said it last year, and I'm, I've been procrastinating, but it might it might be coming. We'll we'll talk more about that in the coming year. We'll see. Anyway, um, i seriously nodding my head along with you and laughing out loud. People wearing masks on trails and in their cars. Triple question mark, double exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't with these people I can't, she left a word out I guess I can't with these people I can't get with these people but.
1: no it's just I can't it's a it's, it's oh, a saying it's
0: I a can't. saying oh yeah okay. <laughs> I can't with these people it, yeah it's you know what my mother would be appalled by today's English
1: it's so true
0: <laughs> I know because my mother was an English teacher and so uh, she taught me a lot about about writing writing um prose so People wearing masks on trails and in their car, co- oh, I said that already. <laughs> they will be the first to line up for the vaccine. I got yelled at today at the grocery store by the worker because I needed to give her six feet distance. Mind you, she walked up next to me. Now, speaking of that, before I, I gotta leave, I'll make a mark where I left off here. A Couple things happened to me yesterday. Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Um, the first was, I was at the post office. There was a long line of people at the, at the post office uh, that I go to, uh, to, and I just had two letters to drop in the mailbox. So I, I, wa- I went inside, I dropped them in the little slot, and, and, and then I came back to my car. As I opened my car, my car door touched the mirror on the car next to me. You know how everybody's had that happen to them? Okay, Some guy in line, some older guy in line, all right, wearing a mask, carrying a box, not his car, starts yelling at me, literally yelling at me. He said, you know, you banged the car. And I got banged? I, I mean, and of course, then I sort of shouldn't have engaged him. I would have said, have a nice day. But I, I made the mistake of engaging him. And the anger and fury of, of him was something that I had no expectation, but I've seen a little bit more of this lately. And then I went to the grocery store, which was right next to the post office. And some man was yelling at an old man for touching the potatoes. Okay. I mean, how are you supposed to pick out a potato? <laughs> you yeah, touch the potatoes. I mean, seriously, people are sh- people are really short, so I understand what Andrea is saying. Yeah,
1: people are under a lot of stress. Yeah, yeah,
0: and they're and they're and they're hyper about the idea that they can catch this just from you know t- being touched uh, touching a potato, or they're just stressed about something. Maybe the guy was stressed because he's it's near Christmas. He's mailing packages and there's a long line. I don't know, but I really didn't open the door. I mean, this was getting back in my car, so it was open the door really gently, and I just touched the mirror. I didn't even see the mirror. But I just touched the mirror, and and there was no mark on the mirror. Okay, and uh, but he got really angry with me, and we got into a shot. He challenged me to a fight. Oh, <laughs> <Aww>. he did. <laughs> <laughs> and he was older and fatter than me, you know, and fat. And then I said something about having too many donuts and uh, I got in my car and drove off. But I, but I, I, yeah, I feel bad about it because I shouldn't have engaged and I don't know how come I got engaged, but that's partly probably because I'm on edge too, like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She says people have lost all common sense and it makes me sad to think about what it is doing to people's social interactions. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She says, my husband is being told he will have to get the mandatory vaccine for his work at a long-term care center. Have to get it or be fired. I don't know what to do. I've had three babies in the hospital, and I'm planning a home birth for my next when I get pregnant. I keep feeling like I'm going to have twins, though. A feeling and a side note, I cracked four double eggs in the past two weeks. Does that happen to you lately? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) People keep telling me that it's a sign twins are in the future. If that, I've never heard that one by the way if that's the truth though my midwife has already said she can't do twins in Maryland but the chickens are probably crazy and I'm just obsessed with your podcast and all things birth and can't think straight so cute anyway thank you for the awesome podcast I wish you and Bliss could be my home birth team Keep mm. good work and awesome content a topic for you more on preeclampsia high blood pressure and healthy diet for pregnancy we'll, we'll we've done some of that but we will we will absolutely do that in a coming podcast, I'll keep keep track of that. Anyway, the reason I brought it up, thank you Andrea, the reason I brought that up is because what she says about her husband and the mandatory vaccine that that we all know. It's coming, coming. yeah. Right, and I have something that I got from um, Physicians for Informed Consent, which is a organization that I truly believe in and truly believe has the interest of, of private practitioners and of patients much more so over corporate uh, entities. And before I get to it, before I read some of what's in it, I wanted to talk about your post. And if you can maybe give me a little information and talk and reiterate what (laughs) Eva Rahm has to say, because we all respect her. Um, You know, I don't know if some of you have seen the video from Christiane Northrup, who's somebody we also tend to respect, I think. Um, And she warns of all the dangers of the vaccine. So what does Aviva Ram have to say, Bliss? Are you frozen?
1: Um, let's see. It. I'm going to pull it up for you. Hold on one second. Okay. No?
0: no you can you see me? me? Yeah, you're Um, you're freezing
1: okay. um I'm freezing. Sometimes. Sometimes. Is that what you say? Oh, bummer. Can, I, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. So I really respect Aviva Ram. She is a midwife and herbalist. She says MD. don't think I knew that. Maybe it's, maybe it's more more recent that she got her MD. Um, But I really respect her. And she is talking about that, you know, during this time, we just don't know enough yet about what will be the long-term effects from a vaccine. Um, She says... As with all about safety and efficacy, as with all pharmaceuticals, adverse effects often don't come to light until post-market surveillance of many users over a length of time. Without being able to rely on years of clinical studies and longitudinal outcome tracking, there's a lot we don't know at this time. Whether to receive this vaccine is a matter for deep personal consideration and decision-making weighing personal concern and lifestyle risks and a very real and very serious global pandemic. Therefore, as with all vaccines, I do not share what I will do or what I think you should do, which I agree. For pregnant and breastfeeding mamas, however, the guidance is more clear. Uh, JCVI, the Joint Committee on Vaccines and Immunization, says there are no data as yet on the safety of COVID-19 vaccines in pregnancy, either from human or animal studies. Given the lack of evidence, um, they favor a precautionary approach and does not currently advise COVID nineteen vaccinations in pregnancy. Um, RCOG, which is the Royal College of Obstetrics, so that's in in uh, England, right? Yep. Europe, um, says that women who are breastfeeding are also currently advised not to have the vaccine. Mamas at high risk, including frontline workers, are encouraged to consider the vaccine when done breastfeeding. ACOG recommends they not be withheld from pregnant or breastfeeding women who meet criteria for vaccinations based on benefits outweighing risks. The FDA cautions pregnant and breastfeeding moms against getting the vaccine due to lack of data.
0: Okay. So the, the key everywhere is lack of data. And the, tr- the truth is they're never going to do randomized studies on pregnant women because it's, it will never pass the ethics right. test. So they're never going to know whether it's safe in pregnancy. And right now we don't know where, whether it's even safe in non-pregnancy. And that's the point of the uh, doctor uh, who wrote in to uh, Physicians for Informed Consent. He's an integrative, uh, he's an uh, internist as well as an integrative physician, and he's a bit controversial. I, I, I did a Google search on him. No, actually, not Google. I did a DuckDuckGo search on him. I don't use Google anymore, but Google's search has gotten, the, it gotten into the language, so we, it's kind of like Kleenex. Not all tissues are Kleenex, but all Kleenex are tissues. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Uh, this guy's name is Frank Schallenberger if people want to look more into it but anyway he writes and again like i said the posts in pic are not filtered they're not they're not uh, censored or or fact checked or anything like that they're put in by people who are members because we want dialogue and what what he says is that he's been asked you know many many times lately about his thoughts on on the coronavirus vaccine and he doesn't know what to do but people need to have a fully informed consent and that's what Doctor Stu's podcast wants to do: is give people information as much as we have, so that they can make it a consent about what to do when you're talking about in- injecting foreign uh, foreign genetic material into your body. And that's mm-hmm. what this did. So,
1: well, it's interesting. Before, oh
0: shoot! I you. got
1: a lot of comments on this post.
0: Yeah, I Am saw I I reading it yesterday. Again, yeah, I saw it yesterday. When you only had ten comments. You got a lot more now.
1: Yeah, but the point of a lot of the comments were just thank you for posting this information because um, it's a lot of people just, it's hard to get any um, real information from other sources. So I just thought that was, you know, it's true. It's hard. And I think that the the benefit of having your private chat is that they're all physicians who, you know, are not being um, censored and everyone can kind of discuss what their actual experience with all of this is
0: yeah that's the that's the significance of this group and, yeah. and again you cannot you cannot rely on on what you hear on the media okay i don't care if you uh are left wing right wing blah 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 doesn't matter i mean it should not be a political issue but it seems to be a political issue and part of the thing that bothers me the most um well i'll get to it there's a story that uh, that a friend of mine told me about her cousin who got covid and was told that, well, you're not sick enough to go to the hospital. All I can do is treat your symptoms. But never offered her things like hydroxychloroquine.
1: Nope, it's not being offered.
0: Yeah, it should be. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, why not? Why why has it been so vilified? And, Mm -hmm. you know, the people that promote it are just as scientific and have just as great credentials as the people that vilify it. So right. the question is, why are people against something that might work, that's low cost, that really has almost no side effect? And you have to start to ask yourself questions, and it, you start to get into these conspiracy theories about you know big pharma and other things, and that you know that's a quagmire. I mean, it really is a quagmire. So here's what he says: the COVID vaccines are are messenger RNA or mRNA vaccines. Messenger RNA vaccines are a completely new type of vaccine. No messenger RNA, or what I'll call mRNA from this point on, vaccine has ever been licensed for human use before. In essence, we have absolutely no idea what to expect from this vaccine. We have no idea if it will be effective or safe, other than the studies that have been done. And again, they've been done so short-term that you don't have any long-term studies. Traditional vaccine simply induces a piece of the virus to stimulate an immune reaction. The new MRA vaccine is completely different. It actually injects uh, molecules of synthetic genetic material from non-human sources into our cells. Once in the cells, the genetic material interacts with our transfer RNA to make a foreign protein that supposedly teaches the body to destroy the virus being coded. Okay. The messenger RNA molecule is vulnerable to destruction. So in order to protect the fragile MRA strands while they are being inserted into our DNA, they are coated with something called PEG-related lipid nanoparticles, which I will just call lipid nanoparticles from now on. This coating hides the MRI for our immune system and ordinarily would kill any foreign material injected into the body. The lipid nanoparticles have been used in several different drugs for years. Because of their effect on the immune system balance, several studies have shown them to induce allergies and autoimmune diseases. Additionally. Lipid nanoparticles have been shown to trigger their own immune reactions and cause damage to the liver, okay? Now, when somebody says it's been shown to do that, does that mean it's, that it's reported in the in uh, in the in the PDR? Because, you know, anything that the PDR reports, it could be one case in a million, but it's that would be it's shown to do that. So again, I don't know whether these things are significant risks. And you know how we talk about it on the podcast all the time, Bliss, about... Relative risks or versus actual risks, and mm-hmm. if we don't have any information on this, we don't have any actual risks. These new vaccines are additionally contaminated with aluminum, mercury, and possibly formaldehyde. Okay, I'm, I would be surprised that mercury is in them, but I'm but I wouldn't be shocked completely. All right, because but if there is any mercury in them, then the, then God forbid we start using them on on pregnant women. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. So we need to know what's in them. And I'm not sure that if you're get a you going to get a package insert that's going to tell you that. Um, since viruses mutate frequently, the chance of any vaccine working for more than a year or two is unlikely. That is why the flu vaccine changes every year. Last year's vaccine is no more valuable than last year's newspaper.
1: Right. right. And, the, and the statistic for the flu vaccine is about 16% annually.
0: 16% effective? Yes. That's it? Yes. Really?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So is there? So the question would be: Is there? You know, first of all, what's the cost? But secondly, what's the long-term risk of maybe getting injected with a coronavirus vaccine every year or two, over over years? What's that effect on your immune system? Nobody really knows. Um, so absolutely, no long-term safety right. studies will have been done to ensure that any of these vaccines don't cause cancer, seizures, heart disease, blah 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 blah. If you ever wanted to be a guinea pig for big pharma, now is your golden opportunity. <laughs> Many experts question whether the MRA technology is ready for prime time. And then he goes on and talks about certain experts who have good credentials, um, and they worry about the innovation at the expense of practicality because the MRA vaccines are weighted toward technological technology platforms that have never made it to licensure before. I'm not, that's, that's getting in the weeds. I'm going to stay out of that. Okay. Another expert says we have to wait and see whether it really works. We will have a safety profile for only a certain number of months, so, if there is long-term effect after two years, we cannot know that, right? So, who are the people that are going to be the ones that get it first? They're gonna. It sounds like they're going to give it to people that are at risk or healthcare workers. Well, if you're giving it people that are older or at risk, and you're giving something that doesn't, I mean, how are you going to be able to tell whether that transmits to giving it to ten-year-olds or twenty-year-olds? You know, it's it's really a mess. Okay, so here. In November 2020, the Washington Post did did a a survey among uh, healthcare workers, and it said some did not want to be in the first round, so they could wait and see if there are potential side effects, and that doctors and nurses want more data before championing vaccines to end the pandemic. And I think that obviously you and I fall into that category, right? I
1: think I... I, well, I can't. I, I I thought I heard a statistic that a high, very high percentage above fifty percent were people that didn't. They were open to taking the vaccine, but they didn't want to be the first in line. Yeah. Um. But you know, just just from watching, um, you know, friends and family kind of polling people, to me, it seems maybe it's just the people that I'm hanging out with. Um. Seems like a high percentage of them are totally. To the
0: um. So. Say that last sentence again, but uh, bless you. I think the option. Say the last sentence. I said again. it. Yeah. You cut out. It off.
1: seems like a lot of people are are totally ready to take, to get the vaccine.
0: Right, but here's, yeah, but then he goes on, which is really interesting. He says, "Since the death rate from COVID resumed to the normal flu death rate way back in early September, mm-hmm. the pandemic has essentially been over since then." You wouldn't know that by watching television. Therefore, at this point in no time, no. Excuse me. At this point in time, no vaccine is actually currently needed. The current scare tactics regarding escalating cases is based on a PCR test that has a lot of false positives. This gets confusing to me, so I'm going to skip that part. But we have to think about it. If we're on the, you know, we have if we have more and more people getting getting the vaccine, getting the getting COVID or being testing positive. Um, then is, 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 is it, are we a little too late for the vaccine? Is the vaccine really necessary, especially since it may not work for the next round of coronavirus? And the other thing that's interesting, he says, the other reason you don't need a vaccine for COVID-19 is that, that substantial herd immunity has already taken place in the United States. All right? This is the primary reason for the, for the slowing of the pandemic. Uh, unfortunately, you cannot completely trust what you hear in the media. They have consistently got it wrong for the past year. That's a duh it's a double duh, since they are all supported by Big Pharma and the other entities selling COVID vaccines. They're not going to be fully forthcoming when it comes to MRA vaccines. And by the way, if you if you test antibodies on somebody and they test positive for the, um, for the coronavirus, do they need to be vaccinated? No,
1: but they might get asked to be vaccinated anyways, because we have this whole conversation around potentially not not being able to get immunity from it, but I guess that's the same thing as what you were just saying about the flu. It does change, and that's just the nature of viruses.
0: Right. So if I'm a healthcare worker and I had coronavirus uh, in in August, all right, and my hospital says I have to have the vaccine to work, why? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the vaccine is supposed yeah. to stimulate an antibody response. Well, I already have antibodies. So right. this is the thing that confuses me more than anything else. I think we may have talked about it in a past podcast. You know, if there's 11 or 12 million people that have tested positive for coronavirus, why are they locked down?
1: Right. Um, before we move on to your other topic, I wanted to, to share some numbers um, about the virus in relationship to what you were saying. Okay. Someone, someone posted this and said in 1918, 1918, the Spanish flu had 50 million people die. The world population at that time was 950 million people. So that was 5.26% of the world population. Uh, and it was decided it was a tragic event. In 2018, the seasonal flu, 650,000 people died. The world population was billion, that was 0.09 of the world population sure. said at that time in 2018 it was a typical yeah
0: say that say that second part again Again. I, if, if you're cracking yeah. up for me i don't know if you're cracking up for everybody but you're breaking can you up. guys
1: can you guys maybe put in the um chat if if i'm breaking up for you that would be helpful, that would be for,
0: helpful. yeah that would be really yeah. Let me scroll down to that
1: i am okay well yeah. maybe i'll talk less <laughs>
0: No, it's just, it's just the internet and stuff like that. So say that we got the first part of the 5.2% of the world's population passing away during the Spanish flu. What was the second point?
1: 2018, it was a seasonal flu. 600,000 people died. The world population was 7.5 billion people. Um, and that was 0.009 of the world population. And the expert said that that was a typical year of losses on the flu. 2020 COVID-19, 488,729 people, dead and counting. World population, 7.7 billion, which is 0.6%. So two years later, um, very similar, actually less than the flu, and we've um, changed everything. So it also says the world population right now, 77 if it was 1%, 77 million people would be dead. A right. million people. So right. I just thought that was very interesting, um, you know, that we've talked about this many times, but to look at those numbers, it's, it becomes um,
0: enlightening. Well, we make it, we, yeah. Yeah. You have to understand that, that again, we could, I could go off on a tangent here and talk about the, uh, one world order, um, things like that, which may very don't well be, go off on it. <laughs> may be why do you want it, Why do you think that we, that the politicians in a lot of these States want to destroy the middle class? Why are they doing what they're doing? Is it because they really believe in the dangers of this virus, that it's so dangerous that they don't want deaths on their watch. If they believed that they wouldn't be going to fancy restaurants and flying and going through airports without masks on and going to hair salons, I mean, they would be much more hunkered down. They obviously don't believe what they're saying. So you have to ask yourself the question, why, why can I get a hot dog at Costco? Okay. But I can't eat outdoors at a restaurant in Los Angeles. Right. Right. Why is Costco open, but a church isn't, or, or a small furniture store is not allowed to be opened. Or, I mean, why are they doing what they're doing? It's, it's not science. So let's just put that to rest once and for all. It is clearly not science because science is, a, is a, something where there's a give and take. And now any scientist who has an alternative viewpoint is censored or, or uh, canceled or fact-checked. By the way, fact-checking is not fact-checking. Fact-checking is, a, is, a, is it's basically you, your opinion differs from mine. Therefore, I'm calling it fact-checking. It's a it's another misuse of the English language. We see a lot of those out there, but that's definitely what it is. So I don't know, Bliss. I don't under I don't really know why they want to destroy the middle class, other than these conspiracies about about you know an elitist world government wanting to take over because they're doing it in all these other countries, even countries that are having far less of an infection rate of a low infection rate that we have far less than we have. You know, in in other, in in third world countries are locking down. And those people can't, they don't, they can't afford not to, you know, they can barely have food on their plate as it is. Right. So one of my heroes in uh, author wise, besides Ayn Rand, who was one of my heroes is C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows C.S. Lewis because he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. Right. And and most of us have read the Chronicles of Narnia, or at least some of the, the books of it. Anyway, uh, I, somebody mentioned this to me, uh, I heard it, I don't even remember where last week, I wish I could give credit to somebody who mentioned it to me, but he wrote a, quick, a short little essay in 1948, and he called it, How Are We to Live in an Atomic Age? And I read it, and I thought to myself, wow, all right, what, you know, what a, what an, a brilliant thing, and I want to read it for a of the listeners. And I want to put it out there for posterity, that that he wrote this in 1948, he said, and how it applies to today. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in the atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motorcycle accidents, or motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had, indeed, one very great advantage over our ancestors, and that's anesthetics. But we have that still. It is a perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together if we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting with our friends over a pint and a game of darts. Excuse me, sorry. Not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. <laughs> they may break. <laughs> they may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds.
1: You got me. You got me too. I don't know if you got anybody else, but <laughs> let,
0: me yeah. read, let me read that part again. <laughs> <laughs> If we're all going to be destroyed by the top bomb, let that bomb when it comes find us doing sensible and human things. Praying reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. Not a like frightened sheep. What?
1: Say again where it's from, Stu.
0: Oh. Well, for people that are are here today, it's from CS Lewis. How We Are to Live in an Atomic Age. It was an essay he wrote um, in a in a pamphlet called Present Concerns, Journalistic Essays in 1948. So if you just, if you, people want to duck, duck, go or whatever, C.S. Lewis 19, uh, essay 1948, I'm sure it will come up. Atomic. Beautiful. Yeah.
1: You know, it's interesting in the very beginning of that, you talk about, um, Auto accidents, and I forgot when I was reading those statistics. I wanted to say I looked up what is the percentage of people who die in automobile accidents worldwide, and it's um, one point two percent. So if that was, if we went for statistics, we would just not let anybody drive anymore, either. Oh, of course, but, of course. Yeah.
0: yeah, interesting.
1: So you had a topic that you wanted to talk about before we ended today.
0: Yep, yeah, I do, and uh, that topic is. Um, a tweet from Harvard Med. Okay, Harvard Med. When I say Harvard Med, what do normal people think of the best of the best? Correct. That's yeah, yeah. Not anymore. Okay, they've gone full woke. All right, beyond woke. I mean, woke is woke is a is a ridiculous term. They've gone full ridiculous. Can I say ridiculous? Okay because they put out, a, they, they're having a conference and a panel discussion and they put out this tweet which may, some of you may have seen. It says, um, globally, ethnic minority pregnant and birthing people suffer worse outcomes and experiences during and after pregnancy and childbirth. These inequities have been further highlighted by COVID-19. Watch our panel discussion on maternal justice. Okay, hashtag maternal justice. All right, so I read that to a few people, and I asked them what's wrong with it, and nobody caught it. When I read it quickly, you caught it because I already put it in the title of our podcast: "Globally Ethnic Minority Pregnant and Birthing People."
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a term that is it's an inclusive term.
0: It's an idiotic term. All right, all right. It, you can you can be inclusive by being, but you. But, but, but that doesn't mean you should be dishonest. All right. So anywhere. So anyway, just, I, again, some of the most interesting things that you find when you see anything is to read the comments of people. Okay. Now, who's going to read Harvard tweets except other Harvard people? I mean, I don't follow Harvard med. Do you follow Harvard med? No. No. Okay. I don't think any of you guys follow for Harvard med either. So here's the deal. Um, These people responded, okay, it took you that many words to say women, all right? And then somebody says, women suffer worse outcomes when our existence isn't recognized. Enough with pregnant and birthing people. Somebody else says, the worst outcomes and experiences experienced by these women includes being dehumanized by you, it would seem. Somebody says, birthing people, my God, how far Harvard has fallen. My father and grandfather, both proud Harvard men, would have been appalled. Somebody else says, my medical degree isn't from Harvard, but I do know a woman when I see one. <laughs> I want to, you know, that little emoji guy with the eyes popping out. That's
1: mm-hmm. you know what
0: I'm talking about. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the one. You should have that up. Birthing people are women. Focus your efforts more on reducing your woeful maternal mortality rates unless on appeasing a very vocal minority that will have zero impact on improving healthcare. All right. So Harvard Med responds saying the webinar panelists used the term, quote, birthing person, unquote, to include those who identify as non binary or transgender because not all who give birth identify as women or girls. We understand the reactions to this terminology and in no way meant for it to d- erase or dehumanize women. Okay. I'm sure that that's true. I'm sure they had no intention of doing it. I'm sure they don't even think about their actions. Their mindset is in such a, a way that, you know, to, an, uh, to accommodate a very small, small minority of people, we are doing something and not just here, but in so many things we're doing something, we're, we're changing everything and, and making words have no meaning. And this frightens me almost as much as the irrational lockdowns or some of the other crazy stuff that's been going on in the last decade, and especially in, in my state, my crazy state, our crazy state. But why can't they say women? Why, why, what, you're involved in this. I know that you understand this better than I do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why not say women and other birthing people if they want? But why exclude the word woman?
1: I mean I think that's a that's a valid question to say why not and um but the the I wonder why you say that that would cause words to have no meaning and that they weren't being conscious and thoughtful because to me when you when you choose that term you're you're actually doing it very intentionally um and Mm word and the word's the words are very important, which is why they selected words that they felt would be inclusive.
0: But here's the thing. When you're inclusive of one group, you're then discriminating against another group or excluding another group.
1: I don't, I don't necessarily think that that term excludes a group. I will tell you personally in, in, in honest terms, I actually had a conversation about something very similar um, with my assistant the other day because I reposted something from a group called the Free Birth Society. Um, and they um, they are specifically um, excluding those words and transgender and all of that openly um, because they, uh, exactly what you're saying, they feel like taking the word woman out is erasing women. And I, you know, a large part of why I do what I do is because I want to empower women. I mean, I believe that women are magical. The fact that we can build babies and do labor and then make their milk and feed them. And it's also medicine um, is is one of the reasons why I do this. I, lo- I love empowering women. And I um, have had to consider what that means when I say something like that to people who feel excluded. And I personally have family members and friends who, who would be um, considered transgender or non-binary. So I have to, I think about it in a very personal way, you know, how would this make somebody that I love feel? And if I think that choosing a different word is going to, be less offensive to somebody, you know, I think things are changing. I think that, you know, being homosexual and, um, and maybe non-binary is like something that we wouldn't have talked about 40 years ago. And those people um, were definitely marginalized and um, didn't feel included. So I don't, I don't mind trying to be more conscious with my language if it can include people but I, I hear what you're saying I think that there's a potential to say and um, and I don't know why that is not something that is considered
0: I'm Well, sure. maybe, maybe I'm overreacting to the idea that this is becoming pervasive in other things where it may be less inclusive or less benign as it is in, in this particular instance and I think of when I think of the idea that we're, we're blurring the lines between male and female to the point where, and you've heard me talk about this before, where we're now having transgendered females competing in high school sports. And eventually will there be even a women's Olympic team anymore? Because, you know, if I'm a male and I can't make the men's Olympic team, why not just reassign myself to a female? And then I can run faster than almost every female and I can make an Olympic team and I can get a gold medal. Uh, pretending to be a woman even though I may not even be a woman and so so um, the idea that you know this kind of language leads to the blurring of of what has been intuitively obvious um, and and just the basic truth of the that there are two sexes all right and there are many genders that's fine I don't care but there's only male and female in, in any other species I mean yeah Uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I won't go off on a tangent, but I, but the thing that bothers me a lot is like, this is extended then into the, into the girl's locker room. Okay. And now you're going to you know, not all people that are not all, you know, biological males identify as male. So they should go to the woman, the girl's locker room. You know, I hope that uh, most people would find that to be a little bit crazy. Now I want to be sensitive to these people. Fine. But you know, I'm sorry. You can't compete against biological women. It's not okay to do that.
1: Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about specifically in this in this context,
0: right? No, but it's you know, yeah. it is in some way because because truly, um, only women, only f- only f- uh, male fem- only females can give birth. All right, mm-hmm. only females can give birth. You can call yourself a potato. All right. It doesn't make it true. All right. You want to call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. But, but when you're talking about giving birth, how many men have you delivered?
1: I have not personally, but it does, it does happen. And oh, I- It doesn't happen.
0: That's the thing. I disagree with you hundred percent. They call themselves whatever they want to call themselves, but they, they have to have a, a vagina, a uterus tubes and an ovary. Okay. Right.
1: but right. if it doesn't affect if it doesn't affect me in a negative way, why not try and be inclusive? But it affects a
0: lot. A lot of women, as you can see by some of the comments. All right, but it
1: doesn't. It doesn't affect them.
0: It offends them, though. So why yeah, are people? But that's what would, I'm saying. But you're saying we should do this to not offend those women who or those those females who consider themselves uh, not or non-binary or whatever transgender. So you're saying we should accommodate them by then pissing off other people. And I don't know why that's fair. I just think you should, I think truth is truth. And women have babies, men do not. All right. Unless you're a seahorse, I think. (laughs) Something like that. Anyway, so that's the, I mean, that's my point is like this, this, you know, we've gone off the deep end. I wonder what C.S. Lewis would write about what's happening in the world right now, okay? I mean, you know, he found Christianity. He was, a, he was a agnostic. or I don't think he was an atheist. I think he was agnostic. Maybe he was an atheist. Anyway, he found Christianity. Fine, whatever. But I wonder what people like him and the, 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 the great thinkers of the world would think right now that, that we've reached a point where we can't say that women give birth or birth is done by women.
1: I think it's changing a word that can make a marginalized um, population feel included. And I don't have, I don't have a problem with trying to be more open and understanding of people who don't have a voice. And I think that that's the main, that's the main point of trying to do things that make people feel included is because, you know, they they are marginalized and they don't necessarily have a voice and they haven't felt included you know, I could do something as simple as like being left-handed. I'm left-handed. And so the, the majority of everything that's developed is developed for right-handed people, yep. you know? And so, um, I'm not like going to, I'm not going to stand on something and be really upset because it's not as, it's not as big of a deal as something that happens to people like transgender, where there's a lot of hate crime and not acceptance and, you know, alienation because they they don't necessarily relate to being um, a woman, you know, or a man. And so I think that I can come to that with a loving heart and just say like, how can I help you feel more loved and supported as a human, you know, rather than getting caught up on like, what that means to me as a woman um so that's that's kind of where I come from with this stuff it's like you know what is the most loving thing that I can do and um and that's where I try and go to
0: and I'll say because because this is great this is why we have a dialogue this is why you're the best co-host in the business because you you don't mimic what I say but all I'll say (laughs) is that that always doing a loving thing isn't always doing the, isn't always the right thing. There's a lot been a lot of horrible horrible things done in the world in, in the name of compassion, um, and sometimes it takes a you know a parent to say to a kid, "No, you can't have that," or "No, you can't do that," or "I'm sorry that you're not six feet two inches tall and you don't get to be on the basketball team." I mean, sometimes we have to say things to people, and um, yeah, but think- who
1: gets to make those decisions? That's all. Right. You know. Harvard. Yeah, who gets to make. <laughs> they made a choice for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. again, you and I don't always agree. Um, and, um, you know, it's interesting, I hope, for people to be able to hear uh, different no, sides.
0: No, and most of the things we don't agree on are th- are, are, are in this in this arena. This is where, mm-hmm. when it comes to mm-hmm. birth and stuff like that, I don't think that we've had very many disagreements. It's just, about, <laughs> it's just about who gives birth. That, that's where we're just.
1: <laughs> <laughs> whoever does it, does it.
0: Yeah. And anyway, I mean, a hard, you know, I, I look at I'm just saying that somebody brought this to my attention and yeah. I and, and you, they know me and they know that I get fired up about stuff like this. And I and I'm, I'm a traditionalist. I like traditions. I'm unhappy right now in my own personal life because my traditions are being shattered yeah as is everybody else's, and yeah. they're being shattered by people who I feel are evil all right because what they're doing is unnecessary, telling people that they shouldn't travel for Thanksgiving or Christmas. people shouldn't gather in large groups people shouldn't do this shouldn't do that for as we know, a disease that, as you've quoted in your thing, is point zero zero six lower than the flu in twenty eighteen is a death rate, and they're destroying traditions, economies, and all that other stuff. And and for what? What's the yeah. end point? They keep moving the goalposts, all right? I mean, now they're saying, they said before, once we get a vaccine, things will get back to normal. Now they're saying, well, the vaccine isn't gonna, you're still gonna be wearing masks and stuff for a year and and, and social distancing and all that stuff. They're just changing it because they're in love with whatever is going on in in their circle. Because you look at other states, and other countries who are more open all right whose economies haven't been as riddled as ours their numbers if you look at the graph their numbers are falling faster what's going on in new york in new york state right now is far worse than florida far worse than florida all right and new york has been locked down the entire time and florida hasn't been yeah okay yeah. so ex- hey i'm
1: wondering i'm wondering if you want to if we want to ask if anybody has any questions before we have to wrap up
0: what do you think I think that's a good idea. Well, there are some questions there.
1: No comments. Do you guys have any questions before we leave? Since you have our ear um, we're here for you, if there's anything that you guys want to
0: ask of us. Right. And she says, um, well, no, can people, can everybody on the feed see the comments? Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to do a better job of promoting next time
1: it's just going to be different because people have to actually switch to zoom and link and all of that. And, you know, whereas when we're live, people get a, like a, a thing and they yeah, can't it
0: on Instagram. They just click on it and it comes up and, and they don't, and they can be moving around and here you have to have Wi-Fi. I think. Don't you have to have Wi-Fi for zoom or can you be out in the middle of nowhere on your phone? Yeah. You
1: mean, yeah, you can be on your phone
0: in the middle of nowhere.
1: I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> as As much as you can do anything, I guess, in the middle of nowhere, you can use mobile. No, Shoshana yeah. says
0: you can use mobile. Yeah. I mean, I have the mobile app on my phone, but I, but I, but my vision is so bad that if I was doing this on my phone, I wouldn't be able to see anything or read anything. <laughs> and I think the threads, I don't think I get to see the screen like I did before. But yeah, so this was great. I mean, um, I miss being with you. I miss your cup of coffee and the smell of your kitchen. Uh <laughs> No, I do. I miss. I miss uh, being cat bombed by Jax. and and, yep. uh, and then uh, yeah. It just it's it's going to be different. I hope that uh, we can get past this pretty quickly.
1: Yep, yep. as Soon as I get back from Hawaii.
0: What if we both get? When are you going to Hawaii?
1: The end of January.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to wish everybody um, this. Well, we'll probably do a podcast next week, but it won't be up for it. So anybody that's watching this uh, delayed. Um, Merry Christmas. Um, It's Hanukkah now, but Hanukkah will be over, I think, tonight. Or, like, I think tonight. Um, Is it over tonight? Or is it over a couple more days? Maybe a couple more days.
1: Thursday night. Shoshana says.
0: Thanks. Thanks, (laughs) Shoshana. And uh, try to gather with your family. I mean, we're doing what we can now. We're all going to get COVID tested. Good. And um, we're going to... Try to, try to quarantine as much as possible, but that's for, for people like, listen to me, that's really not possible. Yeah. Um, you know, unless we just decided not to work for a week, which is, you know, I could see no, I could do no office for a week, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't be called to a, you know, I got called to a vacuum the other day, our friend Debbie, uh, was nine and a half pounder. Um, but it was great. I cut an episiotomy for the first time in forever. Um, and it was great that I did because it was the repair was so easy. So easy compared to what could have been a. Yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> on that, on that, no, and on the feelings, uh, we can leave with uh, feelings of C.S. Lewis. Yes. Okay. This has been Doctor Seuss podcast number one ninety three, and um, we hope that you um, enjoyed it. We hope that we know that you have hours to spend doing many many things. The fact that you spend an hour with us, we take uh, uh, as a compliment, and we hope that. Uh, we can continue to have your trust. You can reach me at askdrstu at gmail.com and birthing instincts is my website and bliss is at
1: uh, birthingbliss.com.
0: And your website is, oh, birthing, that is my and website <laughs> bliss at, and bliss at birthingbliss.com for emails. And until next time, listen to the music of Hans Zimmer and we'll see you then. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye guys. Thanks for joining us.